Welcome back to Ranking 76, where we're reviewing Ranked the Heroes and Villains of the American West. I am Eric. What's up? I'm Matt. And we come to the conclusion of Geronimo. I almost said Cochise. It's Geronimo today. We've already covered Cochise. No reason to dig him back up to kill him off again. But yeah. Um, Matt, what do you remember from Geronimo? Then we're going to pretend that we didn't just stop recording 15 minutes ago in real time. (laughs) And we're going to pretend two weeks have passed. (laughs) Um, Good old Geronimo. He is a... His poor family. Yeah. (laughs) And then he just decides to kill everybody. Not listen. Specifically Mexicans. He really does hate the... He he does now have... They killed his family! They did, yes. And not just his family, everyone, his mom, his wife, his kids. I don't know, I can't remember, but you didn't say you didn't say the ages of his kids, did you? They were young. Did you know I that mean, offhand? Less than like, 10. like toddler? Oh, yeah, no, no. Less than 10. Oh. I mean, because he you did say in a quote he had, you did say uh like my my babes or something like that. Or yeah. my my babies. Yeah, that was yeah. his quote. So the one thing I didn't do is, do you know what Geronimo looks like? Um, I do not. Really? Okay. Well, he's one of the more photographed. We'll get into that later. Wait, I believe, actually, I think I looked him up. Let me look him up. Yeah. All the pictures I see, he's just really old. Oh, uh, I mean, he's not young. Uh, so the picture I am showing, why don't you go ahead and it's actually the cover to the main source that I use for this book. Why don't you go ahead and just describe old Geronimo there? He's very menacing looking, not smiling at all, holding the rifle on one knee, probably ready to kill people, probably ready to kill the photographer after he took the photo. I don't think you're wrong. Uh, this is taken in 1883. Right now. Uh, it's 1877. So this is essential in our narrative. This is essentially what he looks at, like at this in, at this moment. And what what year is that? This is like 1883, I believe. Okay. Yeah, he basically has a big scowl, uh, short-ish hair, which means that he's recently in mourning, or they they cut it for him. But yeah, the um, picture I'm looking at um, that I Googled uh, on it, it's written uh, 1898. And let me tell you, he looks a heck of a lot older. I was about to say, yes, he lives for a while. I guess that's he's kind of really old looking and like he's been through some stuff. Well, that, we, we <laughs> he has been through some stuff. Should we just get into the stuff? Yes, please. Perfect. Okay, so as we left off last episode, Geronimo has been arrested by John Clum, a very arrogant young man who would really like the Apache to stop raiding. That's never going to happen. While Geronimo is sitting under arrest, there are a few issues on the reservation. First, Taza. You remember Taza? Yep. (laughs) Main, I mean, after Skinya's dead, it's one less faction, rival faction that he needs to deal with. Um, Taza uh, dies of pneumonia. So his brother killed. Naiche. Naiche killed. Yeah, Naiche killed. Skinya. Skinya. And Taza. Taza shot. turns around and dies of. Pneumonia. Pneumonia after. 
he almost kills something with a P. Poinsene. Poinsene. Yes. Look at you remembering from 20 minutes ago. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> they die all the time. <laughs> yeah, they do. Uh, the, I'm they, in charge now. <coughs> oh, crap. <laughs> Is this a serious cough? Am I dying from this one? So uh, leadership of the Chiricahua, Cochise's old band, now goes to his youngest son, Nietzsche. We are now two leaders removed from Nietzsche, from Cochise, and Nietzsche has even less respect than Taza did. Not that Taza had a lot of war accolades attached to him. That was definitely his father. But now we're two removed from a great warrior. So we'll see how well we can hold it together, shall we? After the death of Taza, the Apache tried to fracture again, or they kind of break up into other bands. One of those options for the Apache is a chief named Victorio. Now, Victorio is likely going to get his own episode, so I'm not going to touch on him a whole heck of a lot, but he does partner with a chief we're going to talk about a little bit later, and his name is Chief Loco. Now, together, they're going to lead a breakout from the reservation even a couple weeks before Taz's death, and to keep it short, uh, they will be brought into Ojo Caliente as a prisoner of war. So, not a great start for Victorio, but just... You can kind of see where everything is heading. It's hard to keep all of the Apache into one place. Geronimo's friend and ally, who? Is that still going to confuse you? J-U-H. I was just about to say who? (laughs) (laughs) Just don't do an owl sound. So, who has never actually gotten back onto the reservation after Geronimo's arrest? Who, by the way? is still sitting in a cell or under house arrest. He has been raiding into Mexico and is still abroad. Geronimo still allied with Nietzsche, but is more well-known and respected than the young leader. There is a lot of political infighting, and the Apaches are trying to adapt to a new way of life while listening to orders of the Indian agent like Klum. While Geronimo is in captivity... Clum makes some questionable decisions that will lead to his removal. Some of those decisions start with he wants to marry a woman, which sounds great. Nobody's against him marrying the woman, but he wants the army to pay for her to come from Ohio to the reservation, and he wants them to pay for it. And they just kind of look at him like, no, we're not going to do that. So Clum thinks about it for a second, and he comes up with a brilliant idea. Do you want to guess how he's going to pay for his supposed future wife to come down? Raid. Close. He's going to put on a stage show that features the Apache. And he's going to sell tickets. That sounds like it is going to go over so well. It does the exact opposite. Uh, turns out the Apache, not much for actors. Shows don't do very well. The show loses money. Clum, still kind of upset. After his show fails, Clum demands that his pay be raised and that he be given more police just so he could watch the territory all by himself. He would actually like the military to completely leave. He can handle this himself. 
Got it. Got it. Yep. You're good. Yep. We'll leave. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, if it wasn't the Apache, let's just send this was another like small, peaceful tribe. I would like to see somebody actually like, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead and protect. But uh, they can't for, they can't risk the all of the Apache leaving the reservation at once. It's hard enough to keep most of them on it, let alone all of them. So Clum's going to get replaced. Well, actually, he he quits, but it's a you can't fire me. I quit type situation. Uh, Clum then heads to Tombstone, starts the newspaper, and that's where his narrative is going to start. <laughs> Funny how that works out. Now, the new Indian agent, his name is Hart. He doesn't the, consider the Apache to be separate tribes, but really as a singular people. Which is already going to be problematic since some of the Apache don't like each other, as we're already finding out, as we found out with Taza and Skinya. Never mind Victorio and all of them going around. As soon after taking command, Hart has one breakout of the Apache, and they try to catch, capture any Apache that are not on the Sankars Reservation. Now, on the reservation, it's not like that is being ran particularly well, because really none of them are being ran particularly well. On ration days, there are sometimes no or little rations for the Apache to eat probably because they're largely in a desert climate, which is unfit to support farming. When water was available, it attracted mosquitoes, which then spread malaria in throughout the camp. Mm, malaria. But despite this, there, there's good news for Geronimo. Uh, he's released from prison, because with Clum not there, they don't really think of a reason to really hold him anymore. Just stay on the reservation, be a good boy. Everything will be fine. He had been in captivity for four months. Four months. Whoa, stop. Stop the press, man. That's a long time. He's he's done. He's not doing anything. It is about the same amount of time William Barrett Travis was stuck in that uh, small brick house, if you remember in his episode. It's roughly the same time. Maybe a little bit less. But anyway, Geronimo's out. And if you remember my quote from the end of the episode last time, the look he gave Clum said that he had never seen someone so vengeful in a look. Uh, well, he's now loose. Partly due to these conditions, and with the just right amount of Tisween, Geronimo flees off of the Apache and heads for the Chiricahua Mountains, where he's going to meet up with his friend, Who. Now, Who is near the end of his line in Mexico, but is negotiating with the Mexicans for peace. When talks fall through, though, the Apache raid a wagon train and approximately killed two dozen men, women, and children. Now knowing that their time in Mexico was completely at an end, who makes a deal with the reservation to return? Without speaking to Geronimo. <laughs> oh, jeez. So Geronimo. Let me guess what Geronimo says. <laughs> well, he doesn't say anything. He just pulls his pistol out and shoots a man in pure anger. <laughs> You did what? <laughs> yeah, like that's that poor guy was just sitting there and happened to be the wrong person and didn't shoot who just shot, just shot a random dude. That dude's probably thinking, thank God we get to go home. Bap. 
I mean, hopefully it was just an instant kill because that would be really sad. It's obviously very sad anyway. But can you imagine Geronimo? He's laying on the ground. Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> can you imagine just, I mean, we just saw how annoyed Geronimo is, but you just escape. You were technically a prisoner of war. <laughs> Not technically. You were a prisoner. You escape briefly. To go to your buddy, you're like, hey, let's raid forever. And your buddy's like, actually, um, I have bad news. <laughs> Already made a deal to uh, go back to the Americans. Yeah, about that. It's not great. Back on the reservation, Geronimo continues to be an advisor for Nietzsche, who, again, is still very young. But in short, Geronimo is miserable he's already been labeled by the agency as a bad indian not that geronimo particularly cares about that much but that kind of gives you the idea of what they think of him already his contempt for the americans hasn't stopped since the killing of mangus colorados which he constantly brings up and he thinks about this is something that is constantly on his mind by the way he sits as other happenings in the area unfold the happenings are led by a holy man named Nako Dainkai. But we're not going to call him that name again, mainly because I just butchered it, but also because he's known to the Americans as the Dreamer. Now, this is not the same Dreamer that we're going to see in the build-up to Wounded Knee or we saw at the end of Sitting Bull's episode. This is a different person they call the Dreamer. The Dreamer, much like the Prophet, comes to rise to power or rise to influence because things aren't going well on the reservation, so they start turning to a higher power. Now, the Dreamer claims to have powers that could raise people from the dead, and he also preached that the afterlife would punish the Americans for what they had done. But his teachings are not violent at all. And of course, the Americans are very worried that he's being very violent and that he was actually going to incite a riot. So what do they do? They send 89 soldiers and 20 Apache scouts to go and arrest him. When the dreamer is about to be arrested, his followers became angry that the Americans would try to take out any peaceful medicine man and the Apache start becoming hostile and a gunfight erupts that ends up with 80 Apache being killed, including the dreamer. The battle goes nationwide. Even the New York Times says it was as bad as the massacre of Custer, which, which clearly it wasn't because only like trying 20 to get people that are public dead. riled up. Yeah, newspapers are uh, going to be a big part of of the fame that's coming in a little bit. In the aftermath, there is a crackdown on any Apache that are on the reservation to may remain peace. More soldiers come to the area which forces the Apache to kind of hold a conference to figure out what the next steps are. For Geronimo, it's a pretty easy solution. Let's just get the hell out of here. Why? They just killed an, uh, a nonviolent priest. <laughs> it's time to just leave. On September 30th, 1881, who Nietzsche Geronimo and approximately 350 men, women, and children run under the cover of night. Needing supplies, they raid along the way. 
And this breakout, again, makes nationwide news. So not only after the Dreamer makes news, now the Apaches fleeing, about over 350 of them fleeing, this also makes more news. And Geronimo gives them plenty to write about. In one raid, they meet a Mexican freight crane, and they kill everyone and take a hundred mules that each had about, and they end up taking about 14,000 pounds of goods that they could haul. How are they? Oh, on the mules? On the mules. And they get away just as the American cavalry was approaching. Oh, my God. They just miss them. By the skin of their chinny chin chin. A couple days later, the Apache are, are traveling and they see soldiers repairing a telegraph line. Well, there's no debate there. They just kill the soldiers. They loot their bodies and wait for them to be found. When more soldiers come up to, the, to deal with the bodies, the Apache open up fire on them. And for six hours, they end up having a battle. Six hours? Yeah. So not only did the Apache see an easy target, they killed them and then waited for more people to show up so they could kill them also. Did they win that battle too? It's kind of a draw. It's really unclear how much. Everyone ran out. Guys, I'm out. Uh, Us too. All right. Have a good one. Nice seeing you again. It's also important. It's hard to distinguish who wins or not because it's not like, so like, I think it's just like a skirmish. They're really not fighting for, for land, the Apache or anything. The Apache are not fighting so that I can stay on this particular ground. The Americans, if they hold the ground, they win. That's kind of the definition of winning a battle, but the Apache just want to inflict damage and go and take on as little casualties as possible. So it's not, not necessarily like they both can, make an argument they won the apache by the way are still fleeing so they they can still claim that they're winning because the cavalry and the newspapers um are still following them while escaping the apache go by the nearby town of tombstone who just has a newly elected mayor named john clum now clum really rubs his hands together and thinks this is my opportunity if only i can catch oh he's already gone Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, Clum never had a chance. He puts together a posse to head out, but once they figure out that the Apache haven't been seen in 24 days, <laughs> Clum makes a remark, yeah, we're not going. Uh, if you can't find them after 24 hours, it's not worth going after them. So there's, it was just a drive-by. The Apache could not care less. <laughs> Isn't it? Like, I can just imagine, like, let's go! Yeah! Let's go! When's the la- where are they last spotted? Uh, over there. When? Last month. All right, everyone, go home. That's yep. <laughs> That's a wrap. Yep. And fun, everyone. <laughs> now on the run, hiding in the Sierra Nevada mountain range, the Apache are quite literally the last tribe still fighting the Americans. It's 1881. The Sioux have been brought on to the reservations. Chief Joseph had surrendered. Every other, every other, they are the only free Indians in the nation. 
which means more and more newspapers are going to be focusing on them. Right, because there's nothing else to talk about. Oh, and they loved talking about this specific band. Now, the Apache, they have their stronghold in the, in the mountains, but they still need to have some type of lasting way to live. So they reached out to the Mexicans to continue for peace talks. But Apache gonna Apache... Even as they're talking with peace, they're still raiding Mexican ranches. <laughs> the raids and the peace talks continue throughout the spring of 1882, so they've been on the run for well over a year. Now, during their time away, the breakaways hold a conference on what their next stage should be. And you want to take a guess what their next steps are, what they choose to do. Fight? I mean, always fight. Anything else? Raid. I mean, we're just going for easy answers now, aren't we? All of that is true, but they also think there's still some Apache on the reservation. Let's go free them. Let's go free them. (laughs) They think. Now, they're already kind of struggling for supplies. So like Robert Utley, uh, who, by the way, I do like his book a lot, but he is very favorable to geronimo um he even kind of questions the logic behind it when you can't find food you want to bring more food you want to bring people into this area so that you can't feed them also okay i i guess that's fine but that's what they decide to do do you remember chief loco we talked about him like, yeah you said he, Victoria? We be talking yeah. about him he's coming back so they send a message to chief loco on the reservation they're like hey good news buddy we're going to rescue you. And Loco's like, we don't want to be rescued. We stayed here by choice. So, no. Word gets back to the Apache, and Geronimo specifically, and Geronimo sends a messenger back and be like, <laughs> no, really, you're going to come with us. In the next 40 days, we're going to kidnap you, and you're going to be coming. You're, you're going <laughs> to be coming to us. <laughs> no, but, but but for real. But but seriously, yeah, get ready. Forty days. Start the countdown. So Loco even goes to the Indian agent and be like, I just got like they're coming. I don't know when, but here they're coming. Forty days is important. <laughs> because for about six weeks, the Americans have increased watches, we'll say. But about a week after, almost as if the Apache were scouting, soon after the, the extended watches end, Geronimo sends in another scout to be like, by the way, this is happening in like a couple hours. And again, Loco's like, seriously, we don't want to go. Do not make us do this. The scout goes back up. Geronimo comes anyway. He literally is going to kidnap his own people. Geronimo only has about 63 men, but they come in, get the Apache, and quote, as heard saying, quote, take them all. No one is left in camp. Shoot down anyone who refuses to go with us. So he's like, you're coming with us. If not, you're dead. This is a straight up kidnapping. The 63 Apache warriors take approximately 400 men, women, and children. This is not a small group. Dang. 
Now, for Geronimo, this is a tremendous good. He is now essentially going to double the the free Apaches. Like, those who are still roaming free, he just doubled their numbers. This can only be a good thing. Never mind that they don't want to go, that you're forcing them essentially on a march. But he doesn't care. As soon as the Apache leave the reservation with their new hostages, they believe that the Americans are the only ones that are hunting them down and are so confident they don't even post lookouts. But what they do do is they send advanced scouts to go go ahead about an hour ahead of the main group just to make sure that the coast is clear. But the bad news is, the Americans were not the only ones hunting the Apache down. Turns out Mexico still has some beef with the Apache. And the advanced scouts completely miss a Mexican infantry hiding in the brush. When the Mexicans see the main body of the Apache, they open up fire. From an Apache remembering the, the fight years later, they said, quote, Almost immediately, Mexicans were right among us shooting down and bayonetting women and children left and right. There are only a few Indian warriors who were trying to protect us while the rest of the band was running in all directions. It was a dreadful, pitiful sight, one that I will never forget. People were falling and bleeding and dying on all sides of us. Whole families were slaughtered on the spot, wholly unable to defend themselves. Not only did Geronimo kidnap his own people, he led them into a slaughter. At the end of it, over 80 are killed. All non-combatants. They were just peeps. They had nothing to do no, with it. No, they were not there by choice. Yeah. Right. Like, they were just... God dang. Ger- the only ones that They're died. The only ones that died. Geronimo was blamed even though he wouldn't talk about the incident. Well, yeah, because you don't talk about the dead, right? Well, yeah. Well, also, he he would have to care in this point. Because <laughs> he literally, when he does talk about it, he believes he had still done a good. Now, he didn't bring 400 back, but he's going to bring back over 300. Mission accomplished. <laughs> but he didn't even give them a choice if they wanted to leave or not, though. Mission accomplished. I did good, okay? Why do you not see that? Yes, some people were murdered on a forced death march, but... Almost 25%? Yeah, yeah it's great. Just under? Yeah, this is where his story kind of takes a turn. There was just enough. Before this moment, you're like, you know what? I can kind of understand why he's doing all of this. But now... It's a bit of a note. So for the next two or so years, who, Nietzsche, and Geronimo leave deep in the mountains, free from the Americans. But the American government is really wanting them to return. So what do they do? Set up a party to go get them. Yes. And who do they hire to do that? <sighs> Crook. Correct. They bring back George Crook. Who they kicked out last time because he was, well, he kept letting the Apache raid into Mexico. They went to him and said, 
Yeah, we messed up all that. So this is awkward. Now, part (laughs) of what made Crook so successful finding the Apaches is that he was the first one to use Apaches to find Apaches. And he was widely mocked for it. But now they would... Now they would like him to do do some of that more, please. Like we, oh, now <laughs> you want my now you want my help? Okay. Can you imagine how happy he was? Do you think he like wrote down a number on a piece of paper and was like for this amount? And they looked at it and cried a little bit. I think the same sheet of paper, said, but please. it was just he actually drew a picture of himself giving them the finger, and that's what he slid <laughs> over. <laughs> He helps. He him does. Though, right? He does go back, and he again. He has a lot of pride. So, like for him to be like brought back, he has like thumbs in suspenders, walking really small, <laughs> chewing on the old what is it grass or uh, little yeah, straw? Like long... Guess who's yeah, singing? Straw. Guess who's back? Well, well, well. <laughs> Look what we got here, boys. Now it's not like Crook has a lot to go off of. Now the Apache have been ghosts for the last two years do you remember when clum said it's not worth looking at them after 24 hours let alone yep two full years so he said we're not going after him after 24 days right oh no 24 hours 24 hours they've been gone two years so let's look for some uh let's look for some horse well i mean all you can do is just wait for something to happen something to happen and luckily Something happened. Well, a man named Zoe, but you're not going to remember him by his uh, his Apache name. They get helped by a man named Peaches. Peaches O'Hallahan. Peaches is uh, just literally walks into camp one day and was apparently uh, with the runaways, really missed his family and just walked out of the str- Apache stronghold in the mountains and came back to the reservation. Yeah, I honestly thought you were going to say it was whose brother where. <laughs> Ba-boom. You're so proud of yourself, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was holding that one for a minute. <laughs> now, I don't want to say if a grown man named Peaches comes, like he's obviously a stripper, right? <laughs> a grown man named like, Peaches. I can't. That thing sounds like a bad B movie. The man named Peaches. It sounds like a type of movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Peaches comes I and is interrogated immediately. Not like tortured or anything, but like they would really like to have a quick word with him. And he basically just gives up where the Apache stronghold is. With those orders, George Crook not only can find them, he knows the exact place where they need to go. So again, Crook only needs a small scent, and he has basically been given point-by-point directions to find the Apache. But the problem is, they're in Mexico. So it's kind of an issue. Literally an international issue, because the American army going into Mexico, even though they have a common enemy... Still kind of risky. But Crook is given permission to just kind of ignore that there's a border there. Just go get them and come back. 
That would be great. Right. Right. Which makes no sense to me. Uh, on the map, it's just like uh, they drew, erased the lines and then redrew them to exactly <laughs> where he needs to go. <laughs> yeah. Nope, sorry. The Apa- 100 feet past the Apache camp. That's the actual new boundary. I'm sure the Mexicans would love the Americans redrawing that boundary one more time. <laughs> right. They would be thrilled. But We just probably gave him a look. Do you really want to do this again? Yeah. No, well, the Mexicans. I mean, the Mexicans did. I don't want to say they got rolled over, but um, yeah, wasn't great. <laughs> so with Crook into Mexico, he finally reaches the camp on the morning of May 20th, 1883. And Geronimo's men appear Crook's camp. But they don't attack. You get the sense that they're more in shock that the Americans had found them more than they were willing to fight. And when Geronimo finds out about it, he kind of does the same thing. He couldn't believe not only that the Americans found them, but it was an Apache that gave them up. Oh, I bet he was just freaking pee off. Kind of, but more like heartbroken in a weird way. Like, how mm. how could they do this to us? Right. How could this guy we stole from his home go back and tell us where they are? So anyway, Geronimo sends word to Crook that they would like to talk, and Geronimo willingly goes inside Crook's camp. And in what is kind, if this is a true story, 100% accurate, I kind of love it. Because Crook, when Geronimo enters his camp, is eating breakfast, and he makes Geronimo wait. Just puts up a finger as he's eating. This is bacon. This is kind of a delicacy. Talk to you in a minute, sir. Did I say you could talk, boy? Even after he finishes breakfast and they start talking, Crook is kind of aloof. He doesn't... He makes it very point blank. I'm here to capture you, and I'm here to take you back to the reservation. These are the only terms you will be coming with me. He doesn't threaten. He doesn't do anything other than just repeat that sentence. And Geronimo is kind of taken back because he is only used to threats. He's not, he's not used to someone very calmly explaining him what about what is about to happen. He's used to treachery. He's used to loud uh, yelling, and he's used to just fighting. This tactic kind of unnerves him because it's not like, I can only imagine it's almost like he's talking to the Terminator. Like if you flee, we'll hunt you down and kill you or we can come back (laughs) your choice. He even allows Geronimo over the next couple days to go back and forth. And Crook just tells him the same message. He doesn't take their weapons every day for a couple days. Like he Crook, I don't want to say plays him like a fiddle, but Geronimo doesn't really know what to do. So, yeah. So Geronimo going back and forth doesn't quite know what to do until he simply goes up to Crook and says, quote, we give up. Do as you please. Now, there had also been other other signals in the Apache camp, 
life outside the reservation had not been kind to them. It was very hard. They were constantly on the move. They always needed food, all of those things. There's a reason Peach is left other than he was missing his family. But for Geronimo to give up without really a battle being happened, happening is not expected. Robert Utley offers a few explanations why he did this. Quote, Geronimo seemed thoroughly cowed, perhaps because he was still in shock that his own people led to the given, uh, led to the general giving into his hiding places. Or it may have registered another mood swing from aggressive to intimidated or the knowledge that he had to elude the Apache scouts to lead him back to Crook and Crook would bully him into simply gaining return for the safety of the reservation. End quote. Regardless of if you believe how submissive Geronimo was. Crook does return from Mexico with 325 Chiricahuas and the promise from Geronimo to come back later, which he does in February 1884. He does come back. He does come back. I was just about to make a joke. Yeah, because we both know he's not, but he came back. He did. Okay. But not before his buddy who dies unexpectedly. Who? Not who? Thought you'd like that. You don't wait, wait, to... wait, wait, wait. Who died? <laughs> you know, there's other pronunciations of his name, but it was Ho, and I didn't think you would be more grown up, so I went with you. <laughs> I don't know which I would have liked better, but... <laughs> Matt, there's no way Matt's not going to make a thousand jokes... You know what I like is you do a fake laugh and then it goes into your real laugh. <laughs> I know. I know. That's what happens. Like also, why do you like... have a witch's cackle as your fake laugh? <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Good times. Good old who. So wait. So who's dead now? Who is dead? Now there's debate on how he dies. Um... I don't think there's really any way to prove it. I mean, you could, because apparently um, he either fell off his horse, breaking his neck while drunk, or he died of a heart attack. Two very different explanations. I'm going to assume (laughs) they don't know where his body is buried or else that would be very easy to verify. But who Uh, knows? How would it be easy to verify? I mean, if you have a broken neck and you can still find the skeleton, you're going to Oh, <laughs> you're saying it'd be easy to verify how he died if yeah. we had his whereabouts. Yeah. I thought you meant it would be easy to find where he was buried. No, I don't think that's going to happen. But if you can find him and his neck isn't in the shape of a U, I think it's pretty <laughs> easy to say. Like, yeah, if his attack. neck bones aren't crushed. Regardless, I guess it really doesn't matter how he died. He's now dead. And Geronimo just kind of lost a lifelong buddy. Poor guy. So Geronimo comes to San Carlo. Now, San Carlo is new to us, mainly because Crook kind of did what Howard did in the last episode, and he just kind of said, you can stay on this land. Now, the land was within the predetermined reservation, so Geronimo was able to kind of pick where his people stayed. But it's still on the reservation. He's still playing within the American's rules. But Geronimo kind of comes back with a bit of an ego. And then he tells the Indian agent that he expects to get everything that he asked for. And the Indian agent, with a touch of irony, says, okay, 
I will give you everything you asked for. However, I'm going to take all of your cattle, probably because they're stolen from the Mexicans anyway, aren't they? Which Geronimo probably nodded very sadly. Like, no. 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 <laughs> they're, I raised them all. Mm-hmm. So there's still a sombrero on this one. I don't under, no, no, clearly these are stolen. Now, Crook does keep his promise for the Apache. He lives up to his reputation of being firm, but fair, but he's also not going to treat Geronimo any different than any Apache that lived in the area. Now, repeat what I said the first time Geronimo was on the reservation. They tried turning him into a farmer and he hated it. Right. This is not a man that likes to sit and stand for five minutes, let alone five months for a crop to come in. From the moment he steps foot back on San Carlo, he is suspicious at any plot there was against him, and there was no rumor small enough that he wouldn't take seriously. Now, honestly, you can't even call that paranoia, as he has already been labeled a bad Indian even before his first breakout. He had just kidnapped 400 of his own people after the breakout and then saw 80 of them killed by the Mexican army. He also wants to leave the reservation whenever he would like. In which case, if it wasn't so horrifying, I'm pretty sure they would laugh him out of the room. Now, all of these are really annoying to Geronimo, but he does... He does stick around. But then he sees some more of Kirk's rules that he's enforcing, including that they can't just beat their wives whenever they would like. Crook Crook would like that to stop. (laughs) Yeah, this is this weird thing. I mean, you're going to have to stop. You're going to have to just stop beating people because you're angry at them. Okay, that seems fair, right? Also, you can't make Tisween. Oh, they can't make their they can't make their uh, alcohol anymore. Nope. Which, by the way, this Tasween that we've been talking about, the Apache have a lot of small ceremonies, and it's always they always make this alcohol. And they're without Tasween, they can't carry out ceremonies. Oh, really? They've incorporated them into like their rituals. Almost? Well, it's just what like what you did. It's like going to a party without alcohol. Right. Some people would be very so weirded out. Hey guys. Hey. Yep. What do we do? This is weird. Why isn't there booze? Or like, I guess the better, the better acronym or the better metaphor would be if you go into a bar that doesn't serve liquor. Oh yeah. People would be very like, what, what do you mean? (laughs) What do you guys do? Do then? Yeah. So he, he doesn't like that. So Geronimo is kind of sick of this place. He is looking to get out as fast as he can. And he is still a leading figure inside the Chiricahua band, as well as Nietzsche. Nietzsche is still around, a little bit older, a little bit more of respect for him, but it's really Geronimo who really has all the influence. They hatch a plan, which seems a little bit confusing at first, because their plan is they're going to send a threat to the Indian agent, or specifically, they're going to send us a, a messenger saying that they're going to kill the Indian agent, they being Geronimo and Nightshay. They themselves are coming to kill them. They then use those couple moments 
where the military pulls all their men in to go make the arrests to then flee. And not only flee, they take about 150 men and women with them. By the way, they want to go. It's not another kidnapping situation. These ones would like to leave the reservation this time. Now, the Apache and Geronimo, they are escaping the reservation, but just barely. Like, the cavalry is on them for weeks. But they're just out of reach of the cavalry. There is one legend that during this time that Geronimo, under the scape of night, was trying to get his people over a ridge to escape. And it was about to be sunup. And then Geronimo used his power to stop the sun from coming up. And it remained dark until the last Apache went over the ridge, and then he allowed the sun to rise. Now that is, there is a part, the, that's not really a quote I just had. However, at the end of the quote, the person says, I had seen this personally. So whatever happened, Geronimo convinced them that he stopped the sun from rising so that they could escape. And they believed him. He secretly went into all of their all of their living quarters before they left and turned the clock back two hours. Yes, that is one hundred percent what happened. <laughs> no, he who knows? A, Maybe he did have the power. He had a rooster crowing, and he just instantly killed it. <laughs> just no. Before he crowed, he just <laughs> he put he put everyone's iPhones on snooze for another couple, like for a little bit. He just completely got away with it. Now, when you match up, we haven't talked about his powers a whole lot. We talked about a little bit in the beginning where he was essentially immune to bullets. Um, He's done an awful lot of fighting. And there hasn't been a story of him being shot yet. So there is a little bit like he does have some mystique around him. Now, though, the Apache have never trusted him enough to be a chief because it turns out he's a bit impulsive but he does have plenty of influence for them to go but just know Nietzsche is still kind of the chief it's just just remember Geronimo is the one you want when you're in a fight during this escape men women and children said that they would move more swiftly through the desert and the mountains enduring long journeys without rest food or water ultimately familiar with the terrain and skilled as employing as a weapon of warfare Hiding in the mountain recesses unseen and unapproachable to anyone that was not welcome. They could read the land in every aspect. And from the beginning of the unnatural position of a stone or a twig of a virtually invisible sign of boulders or slopes, even on high alert with acute vision, hearing and smell, they would rarely be surprised. That's taken from the Apache Wars by Paul Hutton. So not only are they as Geronimo a good leader, the Apache just kind of, they know the area by heart, and they've been trained since birth to escape. Right. So as the Apache are fleeing, not only are they taking the most dangerous route possible, they are also approaching anyone in their path and killing them without mercy. Mainly because if they see the Apache, this is now a witness that can now give the army directions to where they went. So anyone they saw, they just killed by rule. On May 20th, they crossed the Blue Water Creek and saw a cattle ranch and they burned it to the ground, killed two men 
lanced the kettle, the cattle, and made off with the horses and mules. The next day, they did the same to two traders that were on their way. And on one occasion, Geronimo approached a rancher who was either intimidated or didn't quite know what was going on, butchered a lamb for Geronimo and his men. And then as he served Geronimo, when they finished, Geronimo killed the man, his wife, and his child, and then they ran off. What? Why? Witnesses. You can't have any more survive. That dude was so hospitable. He was, and then he was killed for it. Now, this obviously isn't a good look for Crook, is it? This is kind of the second, third, fourth, fifth time some Apaches have left underneath his control. And he is widely criticized for allowing it to happen. But mainly because he uses Apache scouts. Which seems stupid, (laughs) being honest. The only reason they're able to find them or to be able to track them down at all is because of the Apache scouts, but the newspapers blast him for it. How could you possibly trust the Apache? Don't you know they're just going to ru- like bring you down a ra- the wrong path every time? They can't be trusted, let alone Crook is like right behind them the entire time. Like he's this close, but he's this close for about six months. The tombstone epitaph, again, ran by Clum. Don't know if that would be connected, but when they criticized Crook, they said, quote, when Geronimo is arraigned as a murderer of the laws of justice, George Crook should stand by his side and lie his head and have his head lie the responsibility for a long consequences of this campaigns of the death of scores of men and women and the damage done to this territory long by long serious and outrageous, which the infamous system of employing the notoriously treacherous Chiricahua scouts have made possible. They didn't like him, huh? Yeah, they really didn't. Now they, they weren't going to like anyone that couldn't catch the Apache. It just happened to be crook. And like, obviously they're grasping at straws of, of criticism because he just hasn't, captured them yet it's not through lack of effort it also turns out that crook isn't much of a uh politician because it turns out that the president of the united states grover cleveland sends a letter to crook and is like seriously what's going on like are we close what's going to happen and crook just sends back a very honest letter that just says essentially sir we're doing the best we can, <laughs> which is not probably what Cleveland wanted to hear with the criticism of crook looking back into the Apache camp and Geronimo. You don't get the sense Geronimo had a long-term plan like at all. He didn't really, he was just escaping. He would make a new plan as it approached him and then they would pivot from there. However, Geronimo isn't exactly young anymore. He is either in his 60s or well approaching 60. And he has been fighting since, like, he was 17 years old. God, whole life just spent just fighting. And running. And killing. He has 150 mouths to feed. A little bit less because some have been killed on his six-month march. Right. But it's not looking good. 
And every day he looks back, he has to imagine if the Americans are back, if Crook is going to catch him today, tomorrow, or when it's going to happen. Mentally, you get the feeling that he is exhausted, as well as physically exhausted. In March 1886, Geronimo sees Crook's men and gives word that he would like to, that Geronimo would like to talk to Crook the next day. During the meeting with Crook, Geronimo told him, We have very few of my men left now. They have done some bad things, and I want them rubbed out and to let us never speak of them again. He then finished, I give myself up to you. Do with me what you please. Once I moved about like the wind, and now I surrender to you. So basically, I'm too old. I'm too, yeah, I'm, I can't. Do whatever you want. I don't care anymore. Now, Crook's orders are for unconditional surrender. But he kind of also knows that Geronimo isn't going to go from that. Instead, he offers that his, Apache, that his men will not go back to San Carlo, back to the reservation they agreed upon. They're going to have to go back east to a prison. They're going to be taken as prisoners of war. And then after two years, they could return to Arizona and return to the reservation without question. Crook explained that he would already take the Apache to, quote, if you stay out, I'll keep after you and kill every last one, even if it takes 50 years. He then gave Geronimo the night to think about it. So the same ploy that he did before, where Geronimo actually did come in. So uh, there's no reason to think Geronimo won't actually follow it up. However, <laughs> Geronimo and Nietzsche may, may be drinking around the campfire that night, and they get a sudden hint of paranoia. Oh, jeez. And they think, well, what's to say that they don't actually just kill us once we get inside the prison? Because for all of Geronimo's power, that he would never be killed by the bullet, it says nothing about execution. So they're scared enough that they just run. They flee from Crook again. This time, not that many. There's only like 30 of them. The rest of them do turn themselves in. However, they are not allowed to go back to the reservation. They're gathered up to be taken to a prison camp in Florida. Not only will they be rounded up, but because Geronimo flees again, all Apache regardless of if they're on the reservation or not, are going to have to head east to go to Florida. For prison time. Regardless of if they were with Geronimo or not. Wait, did I come again? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> Can you imagine? Uh, say what now? What, what, what did we do? Like, when you, Can you imagine breaking that news to them? I mean, it's it's uh, Grover Cleveland is the president that decides that he is not exactly the most negotiable person. Just ask if you had a, a veteran uh, pension. He, like, he was famous for denying veterans a pension from the Civil War because it was like five years, like it was either five or 10 years away from being due. And it was in the middle of the recession. And Cleveland said, no, you're going to have to wait. 
for these veterans who are almost homeless. So that's the men they're dealing with in Washington. So yeah, they're they're all going. But not Geronimo. He's still on the run. But this is kind of the last straw for Crook. Crook resigns, or he asks to be replaced. But let's be honest, it, it was going to happen anyway. And they replace him with Nelson A. Miles, who much like Crook takes his job very seriously, but he is not as sympathetic to the Apache or any Indian at all. He's very, he's just going to follow his orders to a T. If some get killed, some get killed. So as Miles takes over, this gives Geronimo a little bit of a time to figure out a plan, assuming there ever was one. But regardless, when the Apache go on this run, not only are they being chased by, by General Miles, they're also being chased by 5,000 soldiers, which is approximately 25% of the American army, as well as 3,000 Mexican soldiers. And as soon as the newspapers start reporting that Geronimo's on the loose again, up to 1,000 vigilantes now start chasing these 30 people in the desert. There is over, there's almost 10,000 people chasing after them. And none of them can find him. None of them can find him. Not really. So Geronimo's going to be on the run for about another four or five months. In April 1886, Geronimo enters Arizona and continues his raiding. And he comes up to the ranch of Artisan Peck. And he's only working about two miles away from his house when the raiders kill his wife and his, his infant daughter and then take his 10-year-old niece captive. And when they get to Peck, they beat and rob him. But Geronimo allows him to go free. When Peck walks back into his house, that is when he finds out that his wife and his infant child has, has been killed. What the crap? And his 10-year-old daughter is now with the Apache. Now, that in itself isn't, isn't necessarily a surprise. When the Apache are looking to, or like the Comanche, the, South, the Southwest Indian tribes, when they're trying to restock their population, they will just kidnap children and then assimilate them into the tribe, which is very much right. what this woman, like what this 10 year old girl, that's likely what her future is going to be. However, in June, the girl is recovered because as the Apache are trying to look for, uh, are trying to find a route up, the Mexican army actually catch up with the Apaches and start firing on them. This little girl is on the same horse as Geronimo, who is trying to flee and is holding on to her as tight as she can, or as tight as he can, until she falls off. Geronimo keeps running, even though he, he does look at her as if he's going to stop, but he just keeps running away. Obviously, there's no time for her to come by and pick her up. Geronimo eventually gets trapped inside of a cave and he just waits for the Mexicans to come in in advance. As three Mexicans ride up to the entrance of the cave, Geronimo shoots three shots and kills three men. The shock is enough for, the, for Geronimo to escape once again. He cannot be caught. <laughs> 
Now, the chase continues for about another half a year. Miles, again, is never that far behind. But he can never close the gap. He reluctantly, and ironically, starts using Apache scouts to bring him home. For Geronimo, the remaining runaways, and no one should be surprised by this, are exhausted. Geronimo included. One runaway would say years later, quote, The troops were coming after you from all over the United States, and one of the scouts said that if you are awake at night and a rock rolls down the mountain or a stick breaks, you will be running, even eat your meals running. You have no friends whatsoever. Reality is setting in, and they realize that they cannot keep doing this for forever. And tell me if you've heard this before. But Geronimo's ready to offer himself up for peace. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious this time. I am 100% serious. <sighs> Maybe. No, seriously. <laughs> I can't. <sighs> He's putting up a finger. Hold up. Hold up. Yeah, what's that? God dang it. Would you just catch me already? I've been trying for five months. Which would also just be equally hilarious to me. If he's like trying to like run into a brick wall and like the Americans still can't catch him. Like he's been trying to get caught on purpose for like five months. Geronimo doesn't turn himself over to Crook. Instead, he turns himself over to an army officer named Greenwood. And even when he meets Greenwood initially, he still brings up the death of how Mangus was killed. It is still on his mind. Is he going to be the next Mangus? If I trust myself to be brought over to the Americans, are they just going to kill me right away? He then made it clear, Geronimo made it clear that he did not want to go to, to San Carlos. That they, he believed that he would be killed and that he that this was his home on the land that they stood right now. He said, quote, if I stay here right here, you chase me. You kill me. All right. I die here. I got to die sometime. Well, Greenwood had some pretty good news that they wouldn't be staying uh, in San Carlo. So that's a win. But he was just going to be going to a prison camp in Florida that had already brought back all of his people, as we mentioned just a little bit before. Geronimo is shocked not believing that his actions would have that big of a consequence for his people back home. You would, what did he expect? Well, you would like to think he thought that. In reality, he probably didn't care. Right. At this point, he's kind of in self-survival mode, so I don't think it would have mattered. On September 8th, 1886, Geronimo allows himself to be put on a train to Florida, now a prisoner of war. He will never flee again. About time, but at this point he's how old? Late Into 60s? the 60s. I mean, 1886, if you believe it was 1923, we're talking 60, very quick math, 65, 64, something like that. Whatever ends up being. Very quick math. Old man is what he is. <laughs> oh, old, old, old man. 
So they're not originally not given up to Florida right away, but they do end up going there. And for the next seven years, they get traded around from Florida to Alabama and so on. But the living conditions aren't great. Never mind they're in a climate that they're not used to. They're in close proximity where many either succumb to malaria or in one year, 119 of them die in captivity. Any Apache, again, most of them are not there by their actions. They're there by the actions of Geronimo and Nietzsche. But they're all prisoners of war. When malaria doesn't kill them. Are they just them, scowling at him or what? Wouldn't you? <laughs> uh, yeah. There would be some severe side eye going in Geronimo's direction. Now, there is an agreement that the Apache will eventually be able to go back to Arizona. But there's only one person who could decide when that's going to be. And it's the president. That's how much influence the Apaches have had in the last couple of years. The president will tell them when they can go home. Which would probably give you a pretty good idea of how big of a deal they really were continuing their conditions or conditions as the prisoner of war. Walter Reed. I think if you're in America, you understand Walter Reed hospital is the, the veteran. Well, this is who it's named after. He's very well respected in the area. He makes a yep. report of what their living conditions are. It's kind of lengthy, but it's kind of worth going into. Walter Reed reported that, Quote, we had thought anything would be better than Fort Marion. Fort Marion is in Florida. We had thought anything would be better than Fort Marion with a train, mosquitoes, and malaria. But when we were finding out how good it was in comparison for the Mount, Bar- Mount Vernon barracks, we didn't know what misery was until they dumped us in those swamps. The married couples were placed in tumble-down houses with dirt floors. The unmarried men were housed together. It rained nearly all the time, and the roofs leaked. On top of that, the mosquitoes almost ate us alive. Baby, babies died from their bite. It was also hot and steamy. We also had been accustomed to the dry heat of Arizona and could take that, but the humidity. It was worse than, the, than it is at St. Augustine. It was terrible. Everything molded. Food, clothes, moccasins, everything but we took it without complaint. If the children could stand it, so could the older people. And Nana went about telling us how to remember what we were Apaches and this is what we, and that we had been trained to suffer. Mosquitoes. Absolutely. Yeah. It just, I mean, absolutely would crush me. Kids are dying. Well, I mean, and then your kids are constantly miserable. I, I, can you imagine your your clothes molding off of your body? I I, I couldn't even. Right. I don't even see that. Like what? Like I, that, I and again, I can't that. state this. I know I've repeated it three times. A lot of these people didn't do anything, other than they were Apache and Geronimo happened to be Apache. Right. Yeah. They were all there because of Geronimo. Geronimo, however, settles quite nicely into white society. He takes on white clothes and converts to Christianity. 
He would take pride in his crops and even takes pride in a garden that he cultivates. Oh, now he wants to farm. Now he wants to farm. Yes, yes, he does. He gets invited to go to traveling shows. And by the late 1890s and early 1900s, his reputation kind of takes a bit of a turn. Because Geronimo has now been tamed and he's no longer the most hated Indian in the world. He's kind of looked back as a nostalgic figure. He had been arrested for less than a decade, and he was once known as the worst Indian to ever own the planet, but now crowds are gathering to talk to him and to get his autograph. Oh, by the way, which he would sell to those who asked. So did he, was he like a, did he become like wealthy or? He did very, he did well. I won't say he's wealthy. You'll also, this will kind of remind you of Sitting Bull because he kind of did the same thing. The difference is Sitting Bull used a lot of his money to go back to his tribe. Right. Guess what Geronimo didn't do? Go back to his tribe. Yeah, just took a, he was doing fine. It's almost like he didn't care. I don't know why, for some reason, until you said Sitting Bull, I was like, who's the one that like befriended Annie Oakley? I thought for some reason it was Geronimo, but that was Sitting Bull, right? No, it was Sitting Bull. Okay, good. Who, by the way, is now dead. So he's probably, he is the, there's kind of like three survivors at this point. And they're all going to, we're going to talk about it in a second very briefly. But like, there's three native leaders that lead the procession for Teddy Roosevelt's inauguration parade. Mm-hmm. And it's Geronimo, Chief Joseph, and Red Cloud. Those are really the last three standing uh, by 1905. Um, ironically enough, again, it's only the president who can have the Apache return to Arizona. And when Geronimo act- is leading the procession for Teddy Roosevelt's inauguration, he does get the opportunity and does ask when he can, when his people can return. In response, Teddy Roosevelt said to Geronimo, when you lived in Arizona, you had a bad heart and killed many of my people. You appointed Mr. Lupp. I've appointed Mr. Lupp, the Indian commissioner, to wash you. I cannot grant you the request you make for a while. We'll have to wait and see how you act. For the next couple of years, Geronimo, still living as a prisoner of war, it enters eighteen fifty. It enters February eighteen o nine, when Geronimo is caught in a storm when he falls off his horse. He stays in the rain all night, and when his body is found, he is severely sick. He then dies six days later. Even on his deathbed, he tells his grandson, quote, "I should have never surrendered." I should have fought until I was the last man alive. Uh, so he wasn't, I mean, he wasn't happy. Nope. Like he, well, cause he can never, I guess he never got to go home. No, nor did. I guess that's what happens when you kill a bunch of people, including women and children, you psychotic psycho. We'll get oh. into it. <clears throat> So so now now we need to rank him. I wonder how he's going to do. <laughs> Round one. 
fight. All right. First round. Are you satisfied? This is our biography round. We're going to be handing out negative 10 points apiece to positive 10 points apiece, depending on how well we liked his story. I'll tell you why I didn't like him. <laughs> I didn't even like his story because I feel, I just feel like he went too far, way too far. I mean, I get it. I get it. They had to fight two sides, you know, Mexicans and eventually Americans. Um, His whole entire family was slaughtered. But then what did he do? He turned around and started slaughtering families. Whole families, women, yep. children, everything. So basically, how can you even feel bad for a guy who lost his whole family when he's making others lose their whole family? Yeah. And then, oh, let's give up. Let's not give up. Let's give up. Let's not give up. I'm going to escape. I mean, his own people, he took hostage, essentially, and said, if you don't come with me, you're dead. And then 80 of them died, and he was like, oh, well, whatever. Man, who cares? Well, whatever, whatever. Not only did he not care, he was actually happy that he doubled the amount of free Apache. And then also, what I find hilarious, I thought he could, you know, remember, uh, not only could he start and stop the sun or whatever, but they said Mm -hmm. he could even make it rain, right? Yep. Why didn't you stop the rain, Geronimo? Why didn't you stop the rain to prevent yourself from dying? There's a bit of irony there. You're right. (laughs) Fitting. I mean, what did he expect when he has to go home? Like, I understand what TR was saying. Like, no, bro, you were like a horrible human being when you were out there. Why would I let you go back to being a horrible human being? That's like, that's like taking, uh, that's like giving someone like a drug addict drugs. Mm -hmm. That's been sober. Oh, dude, you can go back to the slums where there's easily accessible drugs. No, that's not going to happen. I'm not going to send you back home. Now, the, the tragedy is his actions led to many of the death of his own people, not only in the massacre, but um, only about 500 Apaches were left when they went to Florida. And then we said 119 of them died from malaria. There was also a tuberculosis outbreak. Also, people just age and die. Um, well, those kids getting... Well, and that's the thing too. How many of them? How many of them were actually like not even a part of it? You that know? I don't you know. What know I mean? But because they're like, wait, what? I have to go to. I have to go to this this horrible prison. Even if you want, like, even if you don't know the number, like, it could be even a small ten percent. If ten percent just stayed on the reservation and they were still sent back, like, that's still bull. Bad word. Like. Mm-hmm. Well, it's also funny that they sent, got sent to Florida because even back then they knew Florida's a big old pile of dog doo doo. <laughs> I see. We're gonna send you to the worst place on earth, Florida. Agreed. I think we can all agree. <laughs> Florida sucks. Not one redeeming trait in Florida ever. I say this, and my wife really wants to go to Florida, like really, really, really <laughs> badly. <laughs> I have the same argument, so I don't want to go to Florida. Florida, I'm sure you're lovely. I'm sure we have some people that listen in Florida. We appreciate you. We just do. But people, do the people in Florida even like Florida? I mean, we, we don't. I know. mean, the weather's nice, but it is depending. Apparently, anyway, not then. What I what I going back to the one thing I struggle with with it, he reminds me a lot of Che Guevara, like the Cuban revolutionist, anarchist, all around horrible person. But, like, what I struggle with is 
we have an expectation that he should just stop, stop killing, stop doing. I understand his culture. Like raiding was not stealing from you to give to me. It was, I am taking from you to supply to my people. I ousted mm-hmm. you. I bettered you. It's not, not necessarily the same stigma as we have it. I can understand that. The killing, obviously, you can't get on board with. But at some point, you need to recognize that enough is enough. And what I don't, what I struggle with, is am I able to make that distinction for him? Like, am I almost doing like, now you be a good little Indian and you do as I say. And because you don't, I don't like what you're doing, you're a bad person. That's where I struggle. Now, clearly, he's a terrible person, but like, that's what I struggle with in my mind is, is this my narrative or is this my narrative to give judging him on when to stop? With that said, he, the second and third breakout shouldn't have happened. As soon as he arrested his people, it was done. Like he should have. As soon as he like kidnapped them all. Yes. Then I was completely off board. I could justify a lot before that, not the killing. I, but as soon as you kidnap your own people who do not want to go with you, I'm out. Right. I'm no longer agreeing with anything you have to say. So what, what's your score? I'm going to say negative seven and a half. Negative seven. Because, you know, Overall, like like you said, when when is enough? Like for a while, I think you know he was fighting for something, but then, I mean, you said it too. I mean, it was closer to when he got arrested and everything, but it was more of a at one at what point did he turn to not caring about his people and only really caring about himself? Right. Did he really want to free those? He want did he want to free those to, um. The, off the reservation just to resupply his army to keep fighting or what, you know, which is, you know, it's exactly what he did, but right. What are you doing? I think that's a good score. I think I'm just going to match a negative 7.5. I did debate if this was a 10, but I don't want to. I don't think it's too depressing. It's, it's well, it, it's hard. It's hard to, to say someone's completely evil when there's a lot of, Fighting and war and people invading your land and oh, you know who he kind of reminds me of as far as like a narrative, uh, Jesse James. Really, Jesse James was so evil though. Yes, <laughs> yes, he was, but he also like the Pinkertons, like killed his younger brother with that bomb. Oh, yeah. Um, he, I mean, he was a typical Southern person who believed that the the North was invading their homes and he played victim. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can see if you twist the story a little bit, Geronimo is a hero. If you leave out the bit where he kidnapped his own people, it's not bad. Other than that, he just he runs around so many a lot. Innocents. He did. Women and children. He did. There's no getting along with that. So, that round, he is at negative 15. Next round, be sure you are right, then go ahead. This is our morality round. We're going to be handing out negative 10 points apiece to positive 10 points apiece, depending on how good we think he was. 
I think he was pretty immoral. He did not give two craps. He did not care if who you were, if you were part of their uh, tribe, if you were part of their, I mean, crap. That dude was so hospitable. Gave him, like, cooked him dinner and everything. And he's like, oh, by the way, kill them all. Yeah. Well, no he killed witnesses. the rancher himself, yes. And then he took the daughter. No, he killed, no, he killed the whole family, right? The yeah. mom. Oh, you're right. I did another story. You're right. I messed up a story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a different. That was the the guy he let go, right? He let him go. It's like you can go home, and then he get, walks into his wife and child dead. Where he just murdered. <sighs> and then, yeah, you're right. They did steal his daughter. So that's two stories. Two terrible human being stories. How are you moral after that? I would like to know Geronimo before Alope and his children were killed. Mm-hmm. If there was any difference, or if he was just always kind of this bloodthirsty maniac um with that being said though um i'm gonna do i'm gonna match it still i'm still gonna go negative seven and a half 7.5 dude was i don't think had a like towards the end especially like once he got old and said like you know i'm a little old he still was like i'm just kidding i don't care (laughs) what redeeming quality does he have Oh, wait. <laughs> I mean, towards the, I mean, after he was in captivity, but who knows? It could have been all an act. Like he did, you know, take up nonviolent hobbies. <laughs> yeah, he started the garden. Yes. Yes. It's just did. weird that uh, the public shifted and they're like, give us your autograph. Yeah. Maybe because. Autobiography. I'll show Matt this. You can look up his uh, autograph. It's nothing, nothing too special. Just literally his name, just typed out and kind of scratched in. But uh, all caps, all caps, which makes sense. That's on par. But I can't. What did I give Jesse James? I gave Coaches negative eight because at least Coaches. At least Cochise, he was always looking out for his, he was looking out for his people. Like he knew oh, it was no, time to stop I think Geronimo is way worse than Cochise. Oh, I agree. But I gave Cochise a negative eight. So my point is, if I gave Cochise a negative eight. What did I give him? You gave. I'm going to have to move it up. Probably a nine and a half, huh? Yeah, I was about to say, you gave Cochise a negative seven and a half. So you think he's on. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to move it up one, eight, eight and a half. Because I think Cochise was not as bad as. Geronimo. Not comparatively. Cochise looks like uh Cochise looks much better. You gave Jesse James a negative nine and a half, by the way. I gave him a negative ten. Yeah, I still think Jesse James is worse. I don't know. Jesse James uh, what's the difference between them? They both robbed. Yeah, but Jesse James also um wasn't he like uh part of that group that killed um black people and yes well he wasn't officially sold part. slaves and stuff didn't he i don't believe I, you're thinking, didn't they you're thinking of bowie. them and trade what's that i think you're thinking of james bowie because james bowie um was a slave trader so you're you changed your score to negative eight and a half mm-hmm. you bet i gave jesse james a negative 10 i honestly don't I think they're identical people. Why do I want really? to give him only a nine and a half? 
I'm going to go negative nine and a half, and I'm trying to struggle why I'm giving him nine and a half and not ten. Probably because I want to reserve. You know why? Because he's not worse than John Wesley Harden. Well. <laughs> John Wesley Harden was pretty bad. But again, is Geronimo any different than John Wesley Harden? He had a severe hatred towards two races. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm going to stick with negative nine and a half. I'm probably going to regret not making that a 10 later, but I don't, he's not, it's not a good, well, it is a good score in terms of total points, but between us, it's a, it's a nine total of negative 18. So collectively it's 18. That's fine. Fair. Next round to hell with the consequences. This is our crazy or clever round. We're going to be handing out negative 10 points a piece, depending on if we think he was more crazy or more clever. He has too much rage to be clever. Training. I think he's a little bit clever, though. I mean, how was he able to get, uh, like, uh, escape everyone for years? I couldn't find him. Training and violence. That's why. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I guess he really never did, like, they were never, like, on his tail and he escaped them. It's kind of like if I played in the NBA, I can play my heart out. He's they're just better at the game than I am. <laughs> well, and to think about and when you think about it too, it's like, I mean, how, how clever can you be when peaches ends up just walking out? <laughs> I'm sorry. Just the name peaches still tickles me a little bit. So, yeah, I think he was a bit, I think, I think what made him crazy was the fact that, um, his family got killed. I think that was the turning point, honestly. When you're already in a hyper violent tribe and you are yourself known as being hyper violent, even in that context, there is something wrong with your brain. I think he's, I don't think he's like completely off of the hinges crazy, but there's a lot of rage. And I don't, I don't, I think like did, even his escape attempts are just simply, he had one plan where he said, uh, um, he sent a messenger saying, we're going to go kill the Indian agent. And then that was it. Uh, that wasn't even a good plan. <laughs> <laughs> he basically just told them the truth and then ran for it. So I, He's not the craziest person we've encountered, but he's negative. So. I, I, I'm going to do like a, a negative five. Negative five. I'm going to go. I gave Cochise a positive five. Do I think Geronimo is just as crazy as I think Cochise is clever? I don't think so. I'm going to go negative three, and that might be low. Because he's, I don't know, he's. He's definitely off, but I, I don't know how off. Okay, after that round, he now has a score of negative 41, which means from here on out, we're going to lock in that negative score, so we're going to continue to subtract points from here on out. Next round is draw. If Matt and I were ever in a duel with Geronimo, how screwed are we? I'll take that. I'll take that guy down. Would you? <laughs> Would you? Oh wait, no. Nah, I don't know. He did fight off with a guy with knives, blood everywhere. He fought the army for fifty years. Now you brought up a good point last 
last but you said you are trained by the military i will default that i am not so i'm going to assume my score will always be higher but so were all of the men that he killed that were in the army <laughs> right <laughs> including taking a man's saber and beating him to death with it covered in his blood and right. then celebrating was, with it right that's what i was thinking about um yeah so and they had they had rifles too didn't they he did and he was immune to bullets, lest we forget. Right. right. He could not be hit by your bullet. Uh, and he just doesn't care, so. Correct. Well, he cares if you I have think cattle. We're, I think we're semi-screwed. I'm going to do uh, one and a half. One and a half? <laughs> 1. Yeah. 1.5 points. What are you saying? I mean, we're screwed. So you remember we're not doing negative anymore, right? Like we're just doing one to ten or zero to ten. Yeah. You gave Cochise a five. You're more scared of Cochise than Geronimo. Uh, fine. I'll give him the same score. Five and uh, six. I was about to say Geronimo, I think is much worse. I'm a little bit more scared. I'm gonna go negative eight. Hey, it's one on one. I have a fifty percent chance of winning. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> Statistically, that is true. In reality, that is not true. I'm going to go negative eight, which brings him a score of negative 14. Why am I doing negative eight and not higher? You always have that chance. Could get lucky, could scratch his eyes out or something. This is true, but I will get caught. I'm not very fast. He will catch me. Why are you running? <laughs> You're in a fight. I mean, it doesn't matter if I'm running or not. I'm going to get killed, so... Okay, negative 14. Stick with that. Next round, Legacy. How well known is he? We're going to be handing out points between 0 and 10. He's pretty well known. I think is I I think the name is is well known. Yes. I don't think the story is well known. The story is not no, but I think the whole legacy thing is how well do we know his name? Because it's not like a lot of people knew about Lewis. And, like, if you ask people about the Lewis and Clark, they know that they went, but they don't know how awesome it was. And I bet they don't even I bet I bet you one out of five people don't know that it was based on the Louisiana Purchase. Maybe that I don't know. But I would argue he is one of the three biggest native names we will ever cover. Sitting Bull, Geronimo, I think, are 1 and 1A. One and then you have Crazy Horse. Then Tecumseh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, you just had to throw that in there, didn't you? Did. I did. Okay, so I'm going to do 7. See, I think he's much more well-known than that. I... So in the higher nowadays, though, I bet I bet if we asked high schoolers about Geronimo, they bet what's that? No, but I bet they go Geronimo, like they know exactly the just the name though. But they I probably know, think it's just a, a word. Yeah, but that's the point. How well known is his name today? Keep I think in our if we're contextualizing everyone we're ranking, Wyatt Earp is a bigger name. That we haven't covered. Custer is probably a more famous name. Then we probably have Sitting Bull. Then Wild Bill. I think he's still in that same category as all of them. But I think he's like the last of tier one. 
I think after you get past him, I think then you start going into lesser, I don't know, like, who's a good example? Calamity Bridge Jane. Clam- yeah, uh, probably more famous than him. I'll say Calamity Jane. Like, more people than not know Calamity Jane or Sacagawea or something right, like that. Right, right. So I, uh, what did I give Sitting Bull? I think I gave him a nine. What did I give him? You gave Sitting Bull a nine. I did. Are you looking at the scores? I am not. I'm just guessing. You Well, you were right on. I think he is, I'm just going to go negative nine. I think he's right on par with Sitting Bull. I was almost going to go a little bit lower, but then I can't understand why. So, total score of negative 16. Next round, death bonus. We can hand out zero to two points apiece, depending on how cool we thought his death was. Um, Based on irony, I'm going to do it, too. Are you really? <laughs> yeah. I just think it's it's not funny, because it's never funny when someone dies, but I just think it's funny the way that he fell and just sat there letting the rain hit him. In the rain, yeah. He lived to be, it was 1909, so he was possibly 89 years old. Oh, maybe that's why he couldn't get up. (laughs) Probably. Yes, it wasn't. He was not a spring chicken. (laughs) You're going to go negative two. What are you going to do? I just don't think it's that interesting. I don't know. I think it's fitting. I don't think I'm going to give him any points for it, but I think it's fitting that he just had to sit there and take it. (laughs) Um, I hope he thought about every. Well, he did say he regrets. I hope, yeah, that he regrets uh, surrendering that he should have just. So, yeah, I, I hope every raindrop felt like a punch to the face. But I'm, I'm not going to give him any points for that. I just, I don't know. I think there's more notable ways to die. And he should have <laughs> died many times before then. Right. Uh, so that gives him a score of negative two. Next round, counting coup. Confirmed ish kills divided by 10. Same thing with coaches. Yeah, There's no way to calculate this number. Multiple. Hundreds. I mean, it could be hundreds. It could be. Do we want to give him credit for the 81 that died when he kidnapped them? I mean, that's the only reason they died, right? Well, I mean, the Mexican army was after them. Yeah, all that. So nothing is to say that the Mexican army... Yeah, but if they would have stayed on the reservation, they wouldn't have died. If they were allowed to stay, yes, this is correct. I also don't want to excuse the Mexican army because they're the ones that actually did it. Right, right, right. Geronimo gets equal blame, but it... Right. Regardless if he was there or not, if they were all walking walking in the field... They would have died. So we have those potential 81 people, 84 people. Plus, I'd say we give them two points. Just 20. You think he killed more? Than oh, I mean, points? 20 points. Or, <laughs> I don't Going know. off the rails here. <laughs> so let, me, let me work out some logic. We know he killed the rancher. We know he's killed, we'll say at minimum, 20 people. <laughs> okay. And we, I want to give him credit for the for the people that were massacred by the Mexican since it's army. also since it's the Mexican army to blame as well why don't we give him half credit okay so he's gonna get 40 points for that 20 so why don't we do a total score of like 60 yep six total points okay I think that's fair if you disagree with us let us know also if you know that number 
shoot it our way. I was about to say, I'd like to know how. <laughs> <laughs> but sure, we'll go with it. Okay. And now that brings his total score to negative 79 points. Dang, he bad. Which is, I'm just trying to look here. 79 negative 79 points. John Wesley Harden was negative 89. Jesse James was negative 87. So he's in third place. For all time bad? Essentially, yeah. Dang. All right, do you have your coin? Flip in to join whose team? Mine or Eric's? Eric, uh, who's? Oh, heads. <laughs> Sorry, nope. I won't look at it. Wait, wait, wait. Who's? Are you up a person, aren't you? I'm up a person. Okay. But I'm not going to lie. I do kind of need him. Uh, okay. I'm just looking so. at. I do need. <laughs> I need a big name. And we have a couple. We have a, a lot of big names. to. Well, I think there are a lot of big names, but. Um, I've also added in some people I wasn't initially planning to cover because I think, yeah, I needed to add them in. Um, but I would really like, this is a big name. And if we're going with he who won the West, you can make an argument he did. I think he has a good case. John Wayne? He's not likable. I hope he doesn't win. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to say Tails. And then I'm going to draft him to my team. Oh, what do you know? Tails, I get him. <laughs> Make that whole thing. Uh, that would put my team, I believe, at 13 and yours at 13? Yep. Or is it? That's exactly okay. right. Shoot. And remember, as soon as we both get to 20, everyone else goes into the free agents. We can drop and add as we so choose. Right. Yeah, we can. But once we... Add if we add per episode, we have to drop someone. We have to drop after we have a full roster. We can only add someone if we drop someone. So, so it's gonna get interesting if I say, "Ooh, I dropped this person." You're like, "Well, I'm gonna pick him up and then drop him," and then I say, "Oh no, I'm gonna drop him and pick up him." Yes, oh, it's gonna be an argument every single episode. That's fine. We're still like twenty episodes, fifteen episodes away from that. Right. Yep. Okay. Oh. So. With that, so I can't cheat. That is it for the Apache. Um, sorry, it was so depressing, everyone. Uh, it, uh, boy, it was depressing. <laughs> Both with Cochise and with Geronimo. It just, it hasn't a been... lot and a lot of stuff happened. So many raids we talked about. If I never talk about a raid again, it'll be another, it'll be too oh, soon. But you know, with that, that is the end of the free Native Americans, huh? Uh, in our narrative, yes. Now we we don't jump on a linear time scale, so we're gonna oh, be going right. back in time. So actually, the next two people that are up, because I felt guilty one time that I was cheating Matt by not telling him who it is, we're gonna be going uh, over the Whitmans, Narcissa and Marcus Whitman, and Chief Joseph are the next two. So we're going to the Pacific Northwest. So we're just jumping out, and then. After that, we're, we're going to come back to Arizona for just a little bit. But after that, yeah. Awesome. Whitman, Chief Joseph, next up. 
Remember, if you like what you heard today, go ahead and like and subscribe. Leave us a comment on whatever podcast service you are listening on. Uh, We really appreciate it. And you can always check out our website, ranking76.wordpress.com, where you will find a link to all of our social media, our email. You can see the scorecards. You can check out the other episodes you may have missed. Um, We really appreciate it. I guess with that being said, I'm Eric. Then I'm at a chapella. Very nice.